You are now entering the Nintendo Power Zone. Now you're podcasting with power. Welcome to the Nintendo Power Zone. We are a video cast slash podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Nintendo related topics. I'm your splat-tastic host, Nice1983. And I'm your co-host, Mario After Party. And guys, today's topic is one I can say for certain that both of us are highly anticipating speaking on. So today we're going to dive into the paint and talk Splatoon 2, the sequel to the Wii U sleeper hit shooter. There are some lingering questions that we are going to discuss. Is this a true sequel or merely an upgraded port? Is this game as good or better than the first? Which pop duo is better, the Squid Sisters or Off the Hook? We're going to discuss all of that in today's incredible episode. And at the end of the show, Mario After Party will make an announcement that will shock the community. But first, let's move into the Powered Up News. All right, so we have three crazy news stories. Uh... So our first story is Pokemon Go Fest or Pokemon No Fest. So you guys should have heard by now that uh, Niantic had their first Pokemon Go Fest last Saturday in Chicago, and it was a disaster. So they basically, people couldn't play the game. They had the dreaded connection errors that haunted Pokemon Go in its early days. Uh, A year later, and they're still having connection issues. Uh, Now, Niantic has claimed that they are horrified by this, and they have rectified it by giving all the people who attended $100 worth of Pokecoins full refunds. But honestly, I don't know if that's truly enough to compensate for the people that travel from other cities, other towns, and, you know, all these people who made it their goal to go to this, you know, this event and participate and, you know, want to catch legendary Pokemon. Imagine, had they not done their work to correct the issue and people couldn't catch the Lugia, that means that the whole world would not have had access to the legendaries that they unlocked at Pokemon Go Fest for the whole world. This is a, this is a disaster for Niantic, man. How do you feel about this? Yeah, it is not enough. Because they should be giving everybody who paid for that fest a free Articuno and a free Lugia as well. I know that they did actually give them a Lugia, but they sh- not an Articuno. This is bad, though. I mean, this is, you know, the first event that they've done for Pokemon Go. And Niantic is no stranger to doing these types of events. They do them a lot for Ingress. Ingress actually has a lot of events throughout the year. And, you know, they've never had these kind of issues during an Ingress event. So it just goes to show how much they completely underestimate the Pokemon fan base. You would think by now that they they would know a little bit better about how loyal this fan base is. And, and I mean, they limited it, too. They only allowed 5,000 people to be in the park for this event. And yet they still couldn't have their server issues in line for this event. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know all the details about everything that went wrong. Um, I heard that there were some issues with cell phone coverage, so maybe that was a network problem. But um, honestly, it just seems par for the course for Niantic. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I honestly don't really care. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> it just it doesn't really... Um, I mean, I feel bad for the people who went to the fest because they uh, definitely wasted their money and and more importantly, they wasted their time. And, uh, you know, that's not cool. But at the same time, I just, you know, I've got to the point now in the game where I have almost all of the Pokemon and there isn't a whole lot left for me. I do like the new revamped gym system, but... I just haven't been that excited about legendaries. I thought that I would be, but I haven't even gone out once to look for one. I mean, I've, I've um, kind of looked at some gyms as I as I have been driving to work, just to kind of see maybe if there was something going on that I could kind of, you know, sneak into maybe before work or maybe on my lunch break. But I, I just I don't know. I haven't been that motivated. See, on the opposite end, I have seen three raids for three legendary raids, and I haven't been able to really participate except for one, and it was an Articuno raid, but there were, it was only me and two other people, and it, it just wasn't enough. It was a little too difficult. We almost beat it, though. We were really close. Just time ran out. I went through you know, three set of Pokemon trying to beat it. Uh, five minutes isn't enough time. Uh, I don't mind, like, the difficulty of the raid, but I wish they would increase the time. Five minutes, it should be more like seven or eight minutes. I mean, for something this strong, so that if a smaller group does make the attempt, they can have success at, at trying to catch the legendary. It's going to be, I need 20 people around me at all times. Uh, because as far as I could tell, these legendaries haven't been enough to really bring back as many people as, as they should have done. Had this raid, these raid events been in place when the game launched and the hype for this game was so like frenetic, they'd done this, these legendaries would have been caught, would have been easy. There'll yeah, be no it was easy because during the, the Pokemon Go hysteria, it would have been a lot easier to find a, a large group of people when everyone was really addicted to this game and they still have a large player base, but you know, that you don't see people going around, um, you know, doing like group gym hunts as, as often as you would have seen in, you know, a year ago um, around this time, or, you know, they're just the level of commitment, even from the, from the players who are active every month, isn't the same because I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I would say that I'm a active more than once a week. Um, but my level of commitment is kind of like hit the one Pokestop a day, catch a couple Pokemon in my neighborhood and, and really that's about it. And so I, I kind of, I don't think there's anything in the game that they could do now that is going to bring that level of craziness back. They've, they've missed their opportunity. Um, the legendaries are bringing people back to the game, though. I think there's always things that they can do to, to, keep, keep, to keep people coming back for more. 
But um, you're right. It's going to be difficult to get those legendaries because, you know, I I tried to get a Lapras with three people, and we were all um, level 33 or, or 34, and it didn't it didn't work out. Um, Lapras was too tough. I, I did manage to actually catch a Lapras uh, with I think there were six or seven of us, and that was um it was still fairly close, uh, but you know it it was enough to get the job done. So I'm guessing that you're going to need about the same, if not more, for a legendary, and and just trying to find seven or eight people. Um, I honestly, if, if you're really serious about catching a legendary, your best bet is probably to join a local Facebook group and coordinate through there. Oh yeah, that's very true. Um, so I do have Niantic's official apology for this. So this is what Niantic had to say about the event. Today at Pokemon Go Fest in Chicago, technical issues created problems for a large number of players attending the event. From everyone at Niantic, we apologize to all of the trainers who came out to Pokemon Go Fest today. Although we were able to solve many of the technical issues, we were not able to offer every attendee a great experience. Niantic is taking the following steps immediately. All registered attendees will receive an email with instructions on how to receive a full refund for the cost of the ticket. All, reg all registered attendees will receive $100 in Pokemon in Pokecoins in their Pokemon Go account. Special Pokemon eggs and check-in Pokestops appearing during Pokemon Go Fest have their range increased to a two-mile radius surrounding Grant Park through Monday morning. Uh, all registered attendees will have the legendary Pokemon Lugia added to their account. We appreciate the patience of all the trainers who joined us in Chicago this weekend. We will strive to make sure our experiences are, the are of the highest quality going forward. So... They've made their apology, but here's my question. Will you attend a Pokemon Go Fest knowing the kind of disasters that they have and, you know, knowing that they want to do these in other cities? I mean, to be fair, I, I wasn't planning on attending one even before this happened. Even if I knew that it was going to run, you know, flawlessly, I probably still wouldn't, wouldn't go. I mean, maybe if there was one... Right here in in Tampa, I, you know, I I might consider it, but even then, I just I just don't care that much anymore. No, I'm I'm I probably would have gone to one of these events, but now knowing that these are the kind of technical issues that can be expected, and you know, you know, if they did an event like that here in Florida, they do it in my or Miami or or Orlando. And both of those cities are already pretty densely populated, especially with Orlando being such a large tourist destination. You can only imagine the kind of technical issues that they would have in a city like that. Uh, they could never do one like that in New York just because the cell service is always bad there. So it seemed like they picked the right venue, but it just looks like, like all things Niantic touches when it comes to Pokemon Go, it turns... There's the shit, man. But, I mean, what do you guys think? How do you guys feel about Pokemon Go Fest? Was it an unmitigated disaster, or was it something that Niantic was able to recover? Did they do right by the people? Email us. Let us know. Or comment here in the video and let us know, because I think it's a pretty big deal that they fucked up such a huge event. All right, moving on to our next story. This is one that so made me so happy. 
Splatoon 2 is the biggest Switch game launch in Japan, selling approximately 648,085 copies. Now, I've seen the another number floating around, something like 670,000 copies. Uh, the numbers are a little fuddled, but this is the biggest Switch launch for a, for a game, and that's cool. That means it beat Mario Kart, Breath of the Wild, and ARMS. Those are pretty big games to compete with, and Splatoon 2 just goes out there and says, nah, I got this record, and this was all physical copies. We still don't have the official numbers for the downloaded uh, copies of the game, so that's pretty big, but I'm not sure how much you know the Japanese gamers download their games onto their consoles versus buy physical. But I think that's an excellent number. It's an excellent start for such an amazing franchise, and Splatoon 1 was such a sleeper hit. I'm really hoping that Splatoon 2, you know, can get to a point where it's it's on almost every Nintendo Switch console. And there are 4.2 million of them out there now. So 4.7. 4.7, even better. 4.7 Switches, it would be nice if all um, those Switches got this game. I, I believe those numbers were for the first four months, which would take it up to um, July 3rd. So this would be before the release of Splatoon 2. It had sold 4.7 million, and that doesn't include all the new restocks that they got with the Splatoon 2 bundles and everything else. So, my estimate as of the end of July, I'm pretty sure that we're well past 5 million units um, worldwide at least. So, uh, because I think there was a pretty big surge in, in Switch sales um, coinciding with the release of Splatoon 2. And, and like you said, there was huge, um, a huge. Uh, launch in Japan and the, the game sold about 650,000 copies which is you know it shows how big it is in Japan and it shows truly how much of a cultural phenomenon it is I am curious to see what the numbers are for the United States those haven't come out yet but um, you know it, it it's just one of those games that it's gonna be uh, I, like an evergreen title for Nintendo for the Switch you know it's just it's going to keep selling um, during the Switch's lifetime. I mean, it's going to be selling in July of 2018, and it's probably still going to be selling by July of 2019. It's just one of those games that's going to keep selling um, no matter what. Oh, yes, yeah, just like Mario Kart and just like uh, right. all those like other great party games that they make. Well, comparatively, though, in the first four days, the original Splatoon sold 156,610 copies in Japan. So this has completely just shattered that record. Like, but that's still consider considering like that back in the day when they, when they, when Splatoon one came out, it was a new IP. Now it's a little bit more established. People know the game, and they are way more willing to jump back into this world. So. That's such awesome news for me. Love the fact that Splatoon sh 2 shattered that record. And I'm, I love the fact that it, it beat Breath of the Wild sales for its first four days. Like, I never... And Breath of the Wild had a damn near one-to-one -one ratio when it first came out. Right. It, it exceeded the one-to-one -one ratio. It, it, there were more copies of Breath of the Wild for the Switch purchased than consoles sold. That... And, and considering that Splatoon 2 breaks that record, hell yeah, this little franchise, man, keep it up, Nintendo. Keep making these games because you now know that Splatoon is your newest 
evergreen franchise. And since we're talking about Splatoon, we had one more big news story that I'm excited to speak on. Splatoon is getting an anime. It's going to be a web series anime, and it's being brought to you, to us by Kotokoro Comics. Uh, these are the same people who are currently making the Splatoon manga in Japan, so I would venture to say that whatever we're, whatever the manga is is just going to be made into this anime, and there's no problem with that. That happens all the time. Like if you read manga and you know, and it's a popular one, you know at some point they're going to go ahead and make that into an anime. So it's actually pretty cool that Splatoon's gotten to the point where they can make an anime out of it, and I'm excited about it, man. I, and it goes back to what uh you know Iwata and Kimishima said a couple years ago. They both stated that Splatoon was a franchise that could be as big as Mario, and they have done so much to handle this franchise properly. They've taken great care and, and slowly, you know, integrating this, this franchise to the world, and now an anime is a big deal, man. Like, th think about what Pokemon would be if it didn't have that anime attached to it. Now, I don't think Splatoon... It's quite on Pokemon's level just yet, but with this kind of exposure, it's only a matter of time before, you know, Splatoon games and, you know, the, the overall franchise as a whole becomes a game that everybody has to play because of that kind of exposure. Any thoughts on this anime, brother? No, I agree. Um, kind of looking forward to seeing uh, how it turns out. Oh, man, I'm, I'm super excited about this. Love the fact that we're getting an anime. Just just makes me happy, dude. We don't get enough stuff like this anymore. So it's good to see this. I mean, Mario doesn't even get animes <laughs> or cartoons. So it's really nice to see Splatoon has enough character built into it that they can do something like this. But all right, guys, I think that's it for the Powered Up News section. So what is the best news story of the month? Was it Pokemon Go Fest, Pokemon No Fest? Is it Splatoon 2 being the best-selling Switch launch game? Or is it the Splatoon anime? What is the best story? Let us know. You know, Again, email us. Let us know. We want to know how you guys feel about all this cool-ass news. So, guys, I think it's time. We've gotten all the boring stuff out of the way. It's time to move into our topic of the month. And as you can see, both Mario After Party and myself we're decked out in very specific gear today. See the goggles, see the splatter shot, and you see the gear. We're talking Splatoon 2 today, guys. We have been playing this game for a full week, and it's time to let you know what we think about the sequel to our favorite Wii U title. And so, the good thing is that there will be no spoilers here because neither of us have beat the game. <laughs> I got almost completely through it, but then I went back and decided to get all the sunken scrolls. So I would have beaten it had I not decided to do that, but it is what it is. All right, so let's just go ahead and talk about the... Uh, let's, go, let's start with, with Turf Wars, man. Not a lot changed here, uh, but it's still so much fun, and these new stages... They really, they really work well in Turf War. Like, they're just so much bigger now that sometimes it almost feels like it's daunting to cover the turf, uh, especially like a stage like Humpback Pump Track. 
every time I play on that stage in Turf War, I honestly feel like it's such a huge task. But then once you start doing it, it is so crazy, especially once you get into that like kill box in the center of the stage that everybody wants to control. Just love it. How are you feeling about the new stages and how they apply to Turf War right now? I like the new stages a lot. Um, when I picked up the first Splatoon for the Wii U, I picked it up a few months after its release, so it already had some DLC added, and there were a lot more stages. So this, um, you know, to anybody who, who picked up the first game kind of late and is looking at the second game and thinking maybe there's not as much content, um, the first game launched with even less than, than the second, and they added, like, so much more over time, and that's what they're going to be doing here. So I think a lot of the, the new stages, um, with the, except, the exception of maybe Sturgeon Shipyard, uh, they're pretty basic. I think they're kind of designed more so that it can be friendly to the, the new players who are going to be playing Splatoon. Um, they're, they're probably going to introduce the more complicated, um, multi-layered stages as the game goes on, just kind of like how we saw some of the more complex stages in Splatoon 1, like with the uh, Museum D'Alfacino and the um, uh, Flounder Heights, where you had those huge high-rise apartments. And, I mean, we some of the best stages were, were DLC for the first game. I think that's probably going to be the same for the second game, um, although I will say that I do like the new stages, um, the only stage I probably don't like right now, I, I'm not a big fan of that um, Starfish Arena. I don't like the oh, uh, main, stage? main stage. Thank you, Starfish Main Stage. I, I, I feel like the, the main stage isn't, isn't very big, and uh, it's kind of... Um, I've, so I've only played it, I think, for Splat Zones and maybe Tower Control, but um, it just... Uh, it's not really that big, and it the the center of the stage is of, of the stage itself, you know, is a main stage which is not that big, and I just I don't particularly like that stage. But it's a kill box. It's, again, it's another stage with a kill box. Yeah, a kill box with obstacles that kind of get in your way and make it difficult for you to use, um, you know, your sub weapons and. Uh, and that's just my first impressions of it, but I do really like some of the other stages. My favorite stage right now is um, the humpback uh, hump, hump track. track and the uh, sturgeon shipyard. Those two stages, I um, I think they're great. Humpback in particular is my favorite, just because of the uh, you know, I guess the different kind of paths you have to take to to get behind as the stage kind of wraps around it, almost like a, a, a very simple maze-like uh, stage with a very, very big um, open area in the middle. And it's one of those stages that you you just have a lot of freedom, a lot of a room to um, maneuver and, and kind of uh, make multiple approaches. Uh, so, I mean, so far I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I like the, the changes that they made to the the old stages, Moray Towers in particular, it did need some some of those rails that you could swim up because 
it was just a little bit too um, difficult sometimes to make those approaches to get rid of the snipers on the, um, you know, the the, the little the towers that were above the, the the kill area in the middle of the stage, and it, it was kind of like a sniper's paradise. And now I think they've neutralized that a bit, so that if you have a short range w weapon, you're not going to be out of luck on that stage. No, no, it's very true. Um, Mori Towers got so much better, and I like the fact that they shortened that that perch because, man, snipers on that stage seemed almost invincible. I mean, they're still a little annoying, as you know, you and I found out yesterday in rank mode. Um, snipers can be little punk asses, but it's a lot better. Um, the they, they, the only stage that I, even though I love the fact that it was it's returning. I don't know if I actually like the changes to uh, Port Mackerel. Uh, the sponge, the sponges on the stage, they actually kind of throw me off. But I do like that new platform that you, that's uh, right before you reach the center of the stage. They have that platform before you've completely left your base. So right. now you have those two sides, and then in the middle you have that nice platform. That's I really like that change. Um, I agree. I like the platform. The sponges are in different locations in different modes. I think in for some reason, um, I think in in splat zones, the sponge that's closest to your base is kind of to the right, so that if you're going down the path, it doesn't get in your way. But in Rainmaker, it's on the left side. So if you have a teammate swimming in front of you and they decide to be, you know, annoying and shoot the sponge, then they just block all their all of their teammates, and then everyone runs into it, and you have to swim around it. Yeah, really annoying. No, it's uh, so. completely, completely useless to have the sponges on those stages. The only good thing is that I realized that if you mash the B button, uh, when you're going up the sponges, you actually swim up them. You can swim up them faster. And the same applies for walls. Uh, super annoying, though, to have those sponges pop up. And it's even worse uh, in, in when, when an opposing team shoots it and you're trying to jump off the sponge to the platform and then they shoot it and then it shrinks. Yeah. Oh. I, I don't really have a problem with the sponges uh, and towards the, uh, the more central areas of the stage. It's just in Rainmaker, they put it in a different spot, the one that's near your base. And it's, it's really annoying. Every time I play that stage, I, I have some person on my team that decides that, you know, they want to shoot it as everyone behind them like you know runs into it and gets blocked and then we're last to the the rainmaker and i'm just like oh my god but you know the stages get nerfed or not nerfed but altered and changed um you know throughout time i don't know if that is a stage that will be altered but we have seen stages get altered for specific modes in the past so we'll see what happens with that that's very true very true all right, so let's go ahead and move into rank mode. Rank mode is completely different than it was in the previous game. Uh, rank mode is not a team-based uh, system anymore. You now have to rank up pretty much via your own accord. You're still playing with a team of three other players, but not your friends, which means the amount of coordination that can happen during rank mode is significantly less than it was in the previous game because you really can't voice chat with anybody who isn't on your friends list. And if you're being, 
you know, matched up with a bunch of randos, and that changes every match. It is rare that I've actually ever finished a match and then started another match with the same group of people. So you're constantly playing with different people every match, and it makes it really hard to communicate, which can make it really hard to rank up. Um, I had a nightmare of a time ranking up in modes like uh, uh, Rainmaker uh, because people don't grasp the concept is to get the Rainmaker and go forward, not backwards. You don't put it on your platform. You put it on the opposing team's platform. So if you're new to the show and you're new to Splatoon, I would like to welcome you to both communities. And when you play Rainmaker, take it to their tower, not your own. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because there's going to be some uh, noobs who just, they got to learn the rules. And you kind of have to deal with that, um, you know, in the beginning. But as you rank up, you will not have to deal with that for very long because they did add the um, fast rank system if you're if you're playing exceptionally as it says in the description and I actually did get to skip a few ranks um, in Rainmaker I went undefeated for like six or seven matches the first couple ones that I played and I I went from a C minus all the way to a B minus so skipped um, two ranks there I ranked up three ranks I won uh, I won ten matches of tower control as a as a C rank in a row, ten matches, and I did not get that super bonus. So but the, but did you lose anything before that though? Probably, because if you've already lost, I think twice. I don't think you get it. Um, but because I had a similar situation in Tower Control where I I started off poorly, I lost like my first two matches. Then I went on a winning streak and I didn't get that. I had to grind my way up through through that one. Uh, I did get the bonus in Rainmaker. I did get it in in um, Splat Zones, so I, I managed to skip some ranks there. But Tower Control. Uh, so right now I'm at a B plus in Splat Zones and Rainmaker. Tower Control. I'm at a C plus. Partly it's because I I didn't get to skip Tower Control like I did uh, some of the ranks in the other modes. But I also just haven't been on during the times that Tower Control is on um, ranked. So I, I've kind of missed out a little bit on that uh, as well. But I will say that I love the new rank mode. For all its changes, the old way was was flawed and it was brutal and there was no mercy. I mean, if you had, you know, some bad teammates, you know, sometimes you could lose a match and you could lose like 14 points. And then the next match, it's like you're going to gain 10 and you're scratching your head wondering how they're basing these points. And especially if you are playing uh, on a team with your friend and your ranks are different from each other, then you see a huge disparity in points. And sometimes you'll lose a match and you'll lose, you know, 14 points and you'll win and you'll get like five. And it's, I mean, in single player ranked in Splatoon 1, it was a little more consistent than it was with the teams. But ultimately the problem with Splatoon 1 was that you were getting a rank and everybody that was playing solo was was sharing a rank with people who may have ranked up with a team. And if you're doing it with a team, especially a team that's really good and you're kind of riding their coattails, you know, it's not really fair to have a system where some people are playing 
coordinated in the same mode and some people are not playing with any coordination whatsoever and and you know then they end up getting ranking up and then at, at you know a point in time if those people on in, in the teams go play solo mode you're throwing everybody together and and people aren't really equal and they fix that by making rank mode a solo mode only and then on top of that by splitting each mode into its own rank so now if you're a really good player at one of the modes but you have a weakness then at least it'll be a little bit more accurate when you do go online because maybe maybe you are an s-class player in splat zones but when it comes to tower control you're you're more of a, a b plus a minus and that will show in in all of your rankings and i think for for the player themselves it gives you a good idea of what your weaknesses are and what you need to work on um, so as far as the the rank mode is concerned for Splatoon 2 I personally love all the new changes um, I know you're gonna get into the league mode here in a second but uh, I feel like rank mode is, is pretty fair the way that they they do everything and um, I don't have any problems with it see the only real issue I have <clears throat> with the, the the alterations to rank mode is that it delays the time that you can play with your team. Um, Splatoon is a team-based game, so having to rank up to a B minus so that you can play in the league matches, that can be a task. Because, like I said, I have played flawless games where I had like 17, 20 kills and maybe like two or three deaths or no deaths in some matches and still lost because the three people that I'm playing with do not grasp the concept of the mode or their their skills aren't where they need to be because even getting to level 10 isn't hard so that you can play in the rank mode. It's not hard. It's a little bit harder than it was in the previous game. It's time-consuming. It is time-consuming, but is it difficult? No. You can play Splatoon for years and not be good at it. That is something... That I that I think people need to learn is that it's like all shooting games, they take practice and just playing casually doesn't necessarily net you the same skills or benefits of somebody who plays the game religiously. So it delayed the amount of time it took so that I could play with my girl and that I could play with you and all our other friends. It took it delayed that process for me because even though I would be playing really well. I would still be losing and losing and losing and losing. And it got to the point where I literally have to do everything and not depend on anyone to assist me so that I can make sure that my rank goes up so that I could get into those league matches. Outside of that, I love the changes that they made to the actual gameplay itself. I love in tower control, I love the checkpoints because the check forcing a team to stop means that the, you're not getting completely dominated anymore. I mean, you can still get completely dominated, but there are certain points in the match where you have a chance to come back. That makes it a lot easier and a lot more friendly for newer players. And with you know the Switch selling 5 million units nearly in, in like five months, it's only a matter of time before more and more people start to buy Splatoon 2, the community is going to grow exponentially because of that. So 
those checkpoints make rank mode a lot more friendly for the you know newer players and for existing players it makes that mode more challenging which you know i don't hear anybody complaining about making these modes more challenging i think everybody thinks this is a great change i personally love that change uh, i love in splat zones you can now see uh how much space you have to paint to take control of the zone i think that is an awesome change because it would suck when you didn't know how much more space because you can only really look at your screen and you yeah. can look at you can look at the map you can look down at the map or you can pull the map up on the screen but that means you're not actively playing right i agree i i thought that that change was more for spectator mode um which i guess spectator mode is right now only for uh, local um wireless yeah. play because uh, it would be nice if you could spectate some of the matches that are going on uh over wi-fi Right now, we can't do that, which is... Especially if you're trying to connect with your friends while you're waiting in the lobby. You yes. should be able to see their match. You can do it in Mario Kart. Exactly. So I, I don't know why you can't do it in Splatoon, especially when they, they uh, made a big deal out of this, uh, you know, spectator mode. And it's good. I mean, the spectator mode is really good. You just, for right now, it's limited to um, LAN play, which or local wireless play. And that's not... Um, I don't think that's that's going to stay like that hopefully they change it but right now it kind of sucks um but yeah i like the splat zones changes i thought it was more of an aesthetic change at first but when i started to get into it i realized how helpful it was to be able to see that um i think my favorite and I like to change the rainmaker too you know the previously yes. the uh the rainmaker shot a tornado out and you could actually hide behind walls and you were still safe and you really didn't have to worry um it, it was a little bit more difficult i think to kill uh, people with with the tornado. Now you could at the same time it, it was easier to get like multiple kills with one shot because that tornado just kind of runs in a wide straight line. But the new Rainmaker is is more of a skill weapon because it lobs an explosion like like a bomb. And so if you have somebody hiding behind a wall or somewhere where uh, you you suspect they might be trying to to wait to ambush you you if you if your aim is on point you can lob it into that area and it is a little bit more of a skill weapon although you do have to charge it all the way up you're not going to be able to do um very much damage if any by uh partial charges like you you kind of could in in the previous game but i mean you know, we are stuck with the same three modes for competitive play, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And and they just they tweaked it, and I think that the changes are pretty good. Yeah, no, and I uh, the Rainmaker, it is so much better to use now. Like you said, uh, the changes they made to the Rainmaker itself, you there were times in Rainmaker where because you had to charge the Rainmaker in order to get like that really nice giant tornado of ink to just splash everywhere. It would make it, it would make it hard because it's, you kind of just shoot it and hope for a kill. Now you can specifically aim for a kill. And I have literally in this new Rainmaker, grab the Rainmaker and taking it directly to the opposing team's uh, platform with no difficulties because the stream of ink that it shoots is a lot more concise. The explosion is far better protection. 
and it has made all of that so much easier. I played Rainmaker today, and there were in two separate matches, I was able to just completely, you know, break the Rainmaker shield, grab the Rainmaker, take it to the base, and drop it down, and nobody stopped me. And anybody that tried, I killed with the Rainmaker itself. In the old Rainmaker mode, I had a lot more difficulty. Even though Rainmaker was our best mode, it wasn't because we were necessarily firing the Rainmaker. Rainmaker was our best mode was because of the teamwork you and I had within that mode. So you would grab the Rainmaker and just know to go forward with it because you knew that I would have a path of ink for you. In this mo in this new Rainmaker, a lot easier to fire. The charge time isn't as long, and you can literally make progress on your own. So I'm hoping that with these changes to Rainmaker, you're going to see a lot less backtracking with the Rainmaker uh, that you saw in Splatoon 1. Um, so, anything else to say on the rank modes? No, um, I think we should move into league mode because a lot of people I, I've seen online in some of the uh, like Reddit boards have been complaining that they can't play with their friends anymore because rank mode is solo, and I I don't think people realize that the team mode has like this game has done a lot of um, kind of dissecting of the series. They've kind of been dividing everything into a special section. They've divided the rank modes into three modes. They've decided to split solo and team, and the team is in the league mode, and that's where you can play with your friends, and you do have to be a B- minus in at least one rank of the solo ranked mode before you can do it. Some people I don't think realize that, um, especially maybe some of the new players. They uh, they don't realize you just um, there is an option to play with your friends, but uh, like you said, it, it does take a little bit of time to get to that rank, uh, especially if you're a new player. It's probably frustrating. Some people may not be able to um, play in the in the league mode. Um, you know, maybe it, it get get up to that rank as fast as we did. So it might take some people maybe a month or two or more. But ultimately, I don't have a problem with it because, one, you can still play all the other modes in the game, and two, then you don't have to worry so much about, like, especially in the pairs section of, of League Mode, playing with someone who is really completely a noob, someone who doesn't even understand the concept of, of the game. And we've, we've played with people who didn't uh, really understand the rules of the Rainmaker, or maybe they just didn't know where to go with it because they weren't familiar with the layout because it, they had only played the stage once or twice, or maybe it was their first time. So I don't have a problem with, with people having to take a while to get up there because when, when you're playing in, in a team, you know everybody, but when you're playing in, in uh, pairs, you've got to work with two other players. And I'm, I would rather them be, be somewhat experienced. Um, but, but I do like league mode. I mean, the league mode, it gives you, it doesn't give you a rank, it gives you a league power. And each time that you play it, uh, it takes about seven matches to determine. It takes exactly seven matches to determine that. And then from there you can, um, rank up or down based on the, the teams that you play. And, uh, it is a little bit brutal. I will say we have gotten our butts kicked. Oh. By some very very good players, um, who, I mean, we we played this one team where, I mean, we just got utterly crushed, and I just felt like 
God, do I even was was I ever good at this game at all? But then I saw at the end, you you get to look at the results. You can look at them on the Splatnet app, but you can also see them in game at uh, usually like fifteen minutes or so after the the um, time slot has ended. And uh, I saw that that um, two of those people ended up finishing number one in the, in the in the little tournament, and I was like, oh god, I don't feel so bad anymore because they were the best. So, <laughs> see, I I also like the league matches. I think they, I mean, they pretty much are the old fashioned rank mode, um, and I mean the changes that they made to it. I mean, it's it's so that you have to earn these rights, like. I know a lot of people are complaining, but I mean, honestly, you have to earn the right in a game like Splatoon to play at that level. It's kind of separating, you know, the higher level playing people from the casual playing audience. They have more of a chance, you know, if you want to get to that point where you can play with your friends in ranked matches, earn that right. But at the same time, I do, I like it, but I somewhat dislike it because it just, it really put off how quickly you and I could play in the ranked matches together. Obviously, you can play your, with your friends in Turf War by just simply joining with them. But the problem with Turf War, and, and I love Turf War, but the problem with Turf War is there's no real reward for playing Turf War. It doesn't have, like, the benefits of, uh, of ranking up in, you know, in rank mode, you don't know how where your skills truly lie in turf war. Well, let's be realistic though. It took us like four days, I think, before we started playing with each other in league mode. If if that, I mean, we started playing. Uh, we didn't get to play right away, but I think it, it was about four days. In, actually, in I counted. It took me two days to. Uh, it took me two days to get rank mode. And then it took me three days. You know, by the third day, I had unlocked the the league mode. But I mean, yeah, you're right. We had to we had to get to because to get to rank mode, you have to, it, it's all a progression. To get to rank mode, you have to play enough turf war matches to get to level ten, and um, you do get there faster by winning. You know, if you lose a lot of turf war matches, you'll get there a little bit slower. But you you've got to have enough experience. Of playing the game, and it does actually take you. Um, I want to say it, it takes any anywhere from probably like five to seven hours to get up to level ten. You have to invest a significant amount of time in the game, and then when you get to level ten, you have to get to a B minus. And and I think most players who played Splatoon one will be able to do all of that by the first week, and some of the new players will probably. Hopefully, not be too far behind. I'm hoping that 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 most of the new players will be able to do it by by the end of maybe their second or third week in, in the game. So, I mean, like you said, you, you got to work your way up in the game, and it it kind of it doesn't want to th throw everything at you at once because I think if you if you took a total new brand new player to sp Splatoon and you threw them in a competitive ranked mode match or a league mode match, and they got, like, utterly destroyed, it would make them not want to play. It's a progress. Like you said, it's a progression, and it's something you have to earn. You have to work your, your way into, into the league matches. But once you're there, that's where 
the competitive play really, really begins. The skill differential between Turf War, Rank Mode, and League matches is vast. The people who are at League matches, a lot of them are really top-tier players. They're good. Like, they're good. And you and I are pretty good. We, you know, we're averaging between the two of us something like 30 kills, you know, per match. Because you'll have something like 20, and then I'll come in with something like 15, 16. Well, that's not every match, though. That's not like, every match, but there are I mean, a lot of matches where we, we do get kills like that. I yeah, mean, I mean, we, it's happened. We've had some pretty pretty dominant matches, but um, I think according to Splatnet, my average kills per match is like 7.8 or something. <laughs> I have to check mine again, but the last time I checked, it was like 10 kills. It was my average, in, in, at least in uh, tower control. But... I like these changes. I like, I like the league matches, and I really just, I like how competitive league matches feel. They really do feel competitive. Like it's always do or die. In rank mode, because I'm not necessarily playing with my friends, I don't quite care as much as I would, uh, you know, when I'm playing with my friends because I don't want to let my friends down. I don't care about letting down a few randos, but my friends. When I'm playing with my friends, I want us to win. I want us to do well. I want us to have a high, you know, squid power. I want to do the best I possibly can. And if the best I can do is get low amounts of kills but ride the tower the entire way and have them get all the kills, I'm cool with that. If the best I can do is grab the Rainmaker and just plop it down in the base and, you know, get no kills, I'm good with that. Or if the best I can do is shatter my kill record and get, like, 23 kills... I'm good with that. I, I want to play with my team, my friends. I want to play with my team, and I want to do as best as I can do. But in the other modes, I don't quite care as much. You know, I'll play, I'll play, and I'll enjoy the game. But I play harder in the league matches because honestly, you kind of need to play harder in the league matches because you will get dominated. All right, so that's league matches. So guys, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick little commercial break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about. We're going to jump right in and talk about the Nintendo Switch online app connectivity for Splatoon 2. So don't go anywhere, and we will be right back. Guys, we are back and uh, change of plan. We're gonna talk about the special for Splatoon 2. So, after party, how do you feel about all the new specials that they have added to Splatoon 2? And do you miss any of the old specials? Um, to be honest with you, I don't really miss any of the old specials because I'm all about keeping things fresh. And uh, you know, I think the new specials are. I think it's nice that 
um, you get them more often because they they made it easier to get your special in Splatoon 2. I know in Splatoon 1, sometimes, um, depending on your weapon and, and uh, you know, the, the game mode, sometimes you only get it once, twice in a match. And and uh, I know you people would always try to save it for, like, the perfect moment or, you know, if you had, like, the Kraken or the Bubbler, you could use it as a kind of a panic button. And there aren't any specials that are like that anymore, number one. Number two... I don't, you don't really feel like you have to save your special as much um, in this one because uh, it, you get them more frequently. Although um, I will say that you know you do. It doesn't mean you, you don't. It doesn't mean you don't use them without thinking because uh, there are no more invincibility specials in the game, and there have been a lot of uh, you know chatter about the the way that some of the specials in Splatoon 1 were kind of OP, like the Kraken or the Bubbler, and um, or like the Killer Whale. And uh, and even even some of the specials in this game um, that really can punish uh, your opponent a lot, like the ink, uh, the jetpack, or the inkjet, whatever they call it, you've got to use that at the right time. You can't just use it the moment you get it. Um, well, you can sometimes, but you'll you'll get you know shot down, and it doesn't take a sniper to shoot you out of the air. You can get shot down by a splatter shot or a slosh bucket, and you have to be careful where you use it. So so it's and it's like the um, the new um, kind of version of the bubbler, the uh, ink armor. It gives it to your whole team automatically, which is a great team special. It doesn't; they don't have to be close to you it just gives it to everybody but you can't use it the moment that you get in a bad situation because it takes about three or four seconds to activate so you're going to get splatted if you don't think ahead of time and use it before you get you know into a tight spot um and it's a little more strategic and it doesn't last as long as the bubbler so you know once you do get it you have you can't just um kind of waste it you've you've got to make sure that you whatever you had decided if you had decided to go after a specific opponent you only have a few seconds before it's going to wear off so i think that um these new specials require a lot more thought and uh you know they're they're not quite as uh like i don't know what the word is i don't want to say op but um, devastating. They're not the the game changers that they were in the previous game. Well, yeah, that's. I think they are still game changers in a way. That's why I didn't want to say that. I just I feel like these new specials they they can still turn the tide of battle, but um, you know maybe not to the same extent as the old ones could. But it's just in a way they are. Um, they require more thought and more strategy and they can't be used like um, just willy-nilly without thinking about it because you will get punished for most of them if you just use it um, without thinking about it. 
Yeah, that's actually something that's taken me some time to get used to. Uh, in Splatoon 1, I used the Kraken Roller, which obviously came with the Kraken Special. I loved that special, and I loved that roller just because it was the right balance of speed and power. You know, it had more power than the Carbon Roller, maybe less range than the Dynamo Roller, but I liked I liked everything about that little, and it came with the beacons, which were nice because I didn't have to waste time worrying about, you know, lobbing bombs at people. It was better for certain modes to be able to pick a landing position that wasn't a teammate because super jumping to a teammate uh, can lead to instant death, and especially more so in Splatoon 2 because it's a lot easier to die in this game because you don't have all those, uh, those, uh, abilities that boost your defenses so you die a lot faster in this game but it's taking me some time to get used to not having the kraken uh there are times where i'll still you know push on the special button and then do like a uh a splashdown thinking that the kraken is magically gonna go appear and i'm gonna lay waste to people now I really like two specials in particular a lot. The Splashdown, I love the Splashdown. And I like the Baller. Uh, both of these uh, specials are super devastating if you do them properly. Uh, one of the best things ever is killing a cluster of uh, enemy Inklings with a Splashdown or a Baller because they're, they have these just wide radiuses of attack, and I, think, I just think that's excellent. Uh... The Stingray is, like, literally the most annoying special in the game uh, because it reminds me of, like, the Killer Whale, but if the Killer Whale was much more streamlined. But I, I like these, and I like the fact that there's no more Invincible Specials. Uh, I initially thought the Baller might be an Invincible Special, but the Baller really only protects you from a few shots. You can, just right. depending on how much ink you filled the Baller with uh, when you're trying to detonate it, determines how many shots you can be protected. It's either one or two. Well, but, and if you, don't, if you don't detonate it, the shield goes away and you don't do any damage. Exactly. So it requires thought. And you can be killed during every special, which is nice. Yes. Sorry, I was just going to say there, there are no safe specials anymore. That's probably what I kind of wanted to say is um, like when you use the Kraken or the Bubbler, Unless you were on the tower and the tower was over the water, which I loved, like pushing krakens and bubblers into the water because they thought they were safe. Ninety percent of the time in the game, when you use that special, you're safe. No one can do anything to you. It activates instantly. There's not a whole lot of like uh, frame data that you have to get through before you know, or or I would say after you press the button because once you press that button, it's there. It's protecting you. This game, it's not like that. There are no safe specials anymore, no invincible specials anymore. And, uh, yeah, sorry, I just had to... No, it's true. No, no, I 100% agree with you. There are no more safe specials, and that is the thing that I love most, is that no more bubble sluts. That's the word that you and I had come up with for people <laughs> who like to get in the goddamn bubble and run from you like a bitch. You guys were bubble sluts. And I'm glad that you no longer have that option. Although, it seems like the new bubble slut is the ink armor. Because, man, do I really hate that ink armor. It just protects them enough so that they don't die and can kill you. It's a great special. It, it can get a little annoying when um, 
more than one member of the opposing team has it, especially if it's like two or three, because then all of a sudden it's like ink armor, ink armor, ink armor, and you're like, God no, dang it, just what die, made, die. What made me mad the other day when you and I were playing in a league match, somebody had activated the ink jet. That's fine. That's You can deal with that special. It's not always easy, but you can kill the ink jet. But then another teammate activated ink armor, and the ink, the guy in the, who was using his inkjet special got the ink armor as well. So while I was flicking upwards, he doesn't die. And I'm like, what the fuck? And yeah, I wanted to blast me. Like, you were like, oh, my God. I, you shouldn't be able to get two specials at the same time. No, I was so fucking And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, he had ink armor and the inkjet at the exact same time. I was like, that's not fair. That is broken. Nintendo, fix that, please. Make that not possible. Nerf that. Because that is unfair and cheap. And it sent me into a rage that made me throw my pro controller. Like, I legit just said, ah! Yes, I heard that. Super, super mad about that. But for the most part... I think the specials are pretty balanced. Like, yeah, I, I think they are too. Um, I know the Stingray gets a lot of crap for being the weakest one, but the meta is still developing, and the meta will, well, at, sometimes specials will get nerfed or buffed along the way, but as, as people discover more ways to use those specials, like you said, like, you know, you get a team with someone who has an inkjet, and they try to coordinate that with someone who has ink armor, and now you have inkjet with ink armor, and boom, new strategies are formed just like that. So yeah, yeah. that was that was really serendipitous that 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 happened for that other you know player. Like he didn't think that his teammate had ink armor ready at the ready. At least I really hope he didn't think that. But high level teams will be able to like really utilize those specials in conjunction with one another. Yo, I got my special. I'm about to do the inkjet. All right, hold on. Let me put on. Let me activate ink armor real quick. Higher level players are going to start to exploit that, and we're going to see some really high level Splatoon two play. Um, outside of that, I think is the toxic mist a sub weapon or is it a special? It's a sub weapon, and it's it's replacing what was the disruptor in Splatoon one. So. The all the all the sub weapons from Splatoon One are, are returning, with the exception of the Seekers and the Disruptors. They took out those two sub weapons and they added um, an auto bomb, a curling bomb, and then the um, Toxic Mist. And the Toxic Mist works similar to the Disruptor. It's just that it also drains your ink um, capacity. And, it, and wherever you throw it, that cloud stays there for a certain amount of time. So um, it doesn't, like with the Disruptor, it, after it, it kind of exploded in, in its little area, it went away instantly. The, the toxic cloud stays there the longer, or, or it stays in the same spot um, for, for a, a much longer amount of time. It's, it doesn't go away instantly. And in, in, in stages where your um, opponent is, is kind of trapped, or if you're playing tower control and you throw it on the tower during a checkpoint, I mean, it can really um, 
disrupt the the other team. So I mean, I'm a fan of the uh, Toxic Mist. I think it's a it's a really fun sub weapon to use. Even toxic though Mist on a stage. Go ahead. I'm saying I don't think it kills though. No, it doesn't kill. But Toxic Mist on a stage like uh, Port Mackerel can be really devastating because Port Mackerel has those narrow pathways. If right. you throw it dead in the center where the tower is, you can basically wipe out an enemy team uh, because you have completely drained their ink reserves, you slowed them down, and this like fish in a barrel or squids in a barrel. Because I have died so many times in tower control on port macro because somebody has really timed you know, that sub-weapon very properly, and it, it's devastating. I think the coolest special, though, is the the ink cloud of death because it is yeah. so mean it really like it's not as devastating at, like as a kill tactic as i thought it would be but what it does to the floor it completely eliminates movement for the yeah. opposing team and it weakens you like very um kind of almost uh unexpectedly because you're, you you know you see like all these small little raindrops mixed in with your own color so you think you can run through it and you can't and then all of a sudden you know you you've taken what would be the equivalent of maybe one or two shots from like a um, one of the shooters and all of a sudden now your opponent runs around the corner and they hit you once or twice with an arrow spray and you're dead and you're thinking you know how am i get, how am i getting killed so quickly by by a little weak arrow spray that normally takes like six shots to kill you well it's because this ink storm is has just weakened you and it's uh sadly none of the weapons that i've unlocked so far it's not in like any of the main weapons that i really like to use even though i love that special not, it's not on the weapons that i'm using right now but um hopefully as I unlock more weapons, I, I get a chance to use that more frequently. Yeah. So we've talked sub-weapons. We've talked specials. What are your thoughts on the new weapon type, the Splat Dooleys, before we move out of the, you know, the weapon category? I will say the Splat Dooleys are, are an easy weapon to use because um, the double reticle makes it a little bit of a wider area so that you don't have to aim quite as precisely. But at the same time, because of the dodge mechanic, I think it's going to be a hard weapon to master. Because knowing what situations to use that dodge roll in, knowing how many times, if you should use it once, twice, um, like what direction, like those are all things that are going to have to be figured out um, as people get more experience using it. And uh, you, you can dodge roll into a bad situation. So I've seen people use it and it actually made it easier for me to kill them. So it's, it's not something you, you can just... Um, like once again with the specials, it's not something you can use without kind of being a little bit strategic about it and thinking, well, where do I need to take my character to get away from the danger or to get a better shot at my opponent? So it's it's going to be an interesting weapon, but ultimately I think it is probably going to be one of the better weapons in the game. Yeah, what's cool is like my girl, uh, she loves Splatoon 1, but... In Splatoon 1, she was a roller, which means our team was always kind of unbalanced. Uh, in the last year of Splatoon's, like, 
uh, the original Splatoon's run, she switched to, you know, blasters. In Splatoon 2, she picked up the dualies, and she is beast with the dualies. Like, I literally watched her play a match where she got 26 kills. I was like, what? And she's not that good. Like, she's good, but she's not 26 kills good. But she has really, like, taken, like, a, a nice shine to the dualies, and it's it's cool because it added it's going to add balance to our team now because – that's gonna, more than I've ever got. <laughs> I've never got 26 kills no, in a match. No, I, I literally sat there and watched her kill and kill and kill and kill. I mean, it was a long tower control match, and her team still lost. But she was wrecking, and I was like, that's not even normal. You shouldn't be allowed to lose if you get 26 kills in a match. Like you're, That just shows that your team didn't do a damn thing. But... I mean, I like the dualies. I've 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 got a chance to play around with them myself. I've used them in a uh, in turf four and ranked matches. They can be a little tricky. I wish they came with better sub weapons. Like, I would like to have a set of dualies that have beacons as a sub weapon. There are the um dapple the dapper dapple the, dual the dapple dualies. See, I haven't unlocked the dapple dualies yet. Yeah, I haven't that unlocked the them either. But they they have the, those dualies have the the uh, beacons. And um, the special, I think, is the bomb rush. See, that's a good setup for the uh, the dualies. Having the beacons because with you basically don't have to use the dodge. You don't have to add the dodge roll sub if you have it as part of you know the balance of your weapon. So that that's a really good setup for the dualies. I think that's a great weapon type. And now I kind of want to go and play until I unlock those because. That I did not know that, and that's awesome. All right. So those are our thoughts on the weapons and the subs and the specials. We had good things to say about that, but what we're going to talk about next, we don't really have a lot of good things to say. So Nintendo Switch Online, the mobile app that Nintendo touted as being our way to communicate with our friends uh, while we played matches online. This app does not need to exist in its current form. Let's just put it this way. If this app were competing in rank mode, it would be an F minus. Um, as voice communication, it is complete caca. It is a piece of shit, and it is easier for me to call you on the phone and put the phone on speakerphone than it is to join a room and get through, get on a match, like join a room in the game, then turn the app on on the phone, then go do a match together, but not be able to leave, like to go to the 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 plaza and buy clothes or anything else, because then you're going to get disconnected. Or if you, you know, do something else on your phone, you're going to get disconnected. It's just it's terrible. No man, I completely agree. This app is bad. The only reason I even use this app uh, for the for the communication purposes is to send the invite. I don't even want to use the app for communication. I literally just want to send the invite so that you know that I'm online, that I'm playing, and I'm trying to reach you. Because I hit if I hit you up with the invite, it will you know alert your phone. It'll alert your screen. You see the the invite, and then afterwards. We talk to each other on the phone. But it, it saves me the step of having to pull the phone out of my pocket or reach for the phone uh, 
or do it. It's, it's just easier to send an invite that way, and it lets people know that I'm, I'm ready and willing to play. But outside of that, the app is a hot mess. Um, I'm hoping that Nintendo really listens to, you know, the fans and the you know the community, and open this app up more so that they have, have to. to a lot. I should just be able to from the app call the people that I want to call without creating a lobby. Um, I need this app to run in the background so that if I need to look at something or if somebody else, if I get a text message that I can actually answer the text message or do whatever else on my phone, like having to always have the app open and live while you use it is, is it's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, right now, this app is not better than what Discord is offering. So I think Nintendo needs no, to, they need to buy Discord out. Nintendo should just buy Discord and integrate it into this mobile structure that they're, that they're putting together. So if they're going to do something like that, Discord needs to be the minimum standard because Discord is not really that great either. Um, it, you know, it's, it's good for being a third-party app that just lets you communicate with people you already know, but ultimately the app, you know, really, like, Nintendo really should should find a way to allow us to communicate with the people in the lobbies, the random people, without having to add them as a friend. Um, that would be the ideal situation, so that you could always communicate during a match, but if they can't do that, the Discord model needs to be the minimum standard, where you can at least communicate with your friends in a room, and... Um, you don't have to be playing the same game to talk to each other or be even um, having the app open on, on your, your main screen. If, you, if you're surfing the internet while you're talking to your friends, that's got to be a, an option as well. So, I mean, as a voice communication, it sucks. But as a Splatnet... Um, the Splatnet part of it is great. I Wait, use before, before we before we move on to Splatnet, I just I just want to toss out there that they need to open this up to more games as well. This needs to be able to work for Mario Kart, and it needs to be able to work for Arms right now. Those are the three big multiplayer games that you have on the Switch right now, and only one game utilizes it, and not very well. So they need to open this app up to other games that have already been released. Yeah, and like I said, at minimum, you should at least, because you know, it's kind of pointless right now getting friend requests from people you don't know, because it's like you're never going to talk to them. You don't want you don't want to give those people your, your actual phone number, and it's not like you really can talk to them, because I, there's, even in the Wii U, you could message somebody after you became friends with them. You can't even do that on the Switch. So how am I supposed to communicate with these people that are friend requesting me? Like... I need a way, and this app should be that way. Like, I should at least be able to communicate with all of my friends who have added me on the Switch and say, hey, look, you know, I'm friends with 12 people, and right now three of them are online. So the app should recognize that and have those people available to, to text or, or voice chat with. No, completely... And 100% agree with you. Um, not let, let's go ahead. Br bring it away, bro. Let's talk about Splatnet. I use it all the time. It's great. I mean, ordering stuff from Annie and Moe's, 
Um, if you don't know, you get it instantly. I didn't realize that at first, but the moment you order it, the second later you can go to merch and uh, you can pick it up. And so you can just constantly order things, you know, to your heart's content for whatever is available. Um, and then also what's nice is you can go over the last 50 battles, gives you a little bit of a better idea of how you really did because um, it breaks down the kills and assists. It'll show the amount of kills you got and how many of those kills were actually assists. And then it also shows the number of times that you died. Whereas in um, in game, it only shows you kills and assists combined as one number and the number of times you use your special. So you get to see more stuff by by going to those stats using the the app. And you can see how everyone else did as well and compare yourself for every single match, which is really nice. I don't know why you, you can't see the same stats with like number of times you died and, and the number of kills versus assists in-game. But um, as an app, there's a lot of things to do in it. And and like as a, as the... As a Splatoon-specific app, I think it's great. Oh, no. And I'm looking at my record now. And it's not too hot uh, because of last night's uh, play session when we were playing league matches. We don't need to talk about that. Out of my last 50 battles, I've won 26 and I've lost 24. Uh, but most of those losses come from league matches, and that's just because... We actually had kind of shitty teammates, and we played with a lot of squid bagging douchebags. Uh, and the salt is real, folks. The salt is real. There's a player that I'm going to keep my eye on. He's not good. He is a tool, and I will find him, and I will kill him. That's right. You know what movie I stole that shit from? He's dead. Finna nut. Is his name. And if I see you, Finna Nut, you dead, son. You straight dead, and I'm going to squid bag you until it freaking hurts. going to keep squid bagging him until his name is invisible on my screen. I might still be squid bagging after he respawns. Just so he can come find me so I can splat him again. Anyway, no, the app is great. Uh, the only downside to the app, personally is because I severely disliked Annie and Mo, and they the, they are the people who run the little online shop, and I was like, damn it, I thought we got rid of these people. Hate Annie and Mo. I really do. No, but the app, the app is one of the best things about this game. Uh, I like looking at my stats. I think it's so important to see my stats. The only thing that they could have done better to uh, make the stats just a lot more you know, accessible would be to watch your own gameplay videos. I really thought they would have opened up the capture function for a game like Splatoon for videos so that you could at least watch the replays of your matches, but you don't even have access to that. So this is the next best thing. You can see how many, you lived, times. how many times you died. I really think it's great that you can see what stages you perform the best on and which stages that you perform poorly on because now you know which stages you need to work on and which modes you need to work on for those stages. That is one of the best things that they've done. This Splatnet 2 is way better. The only thing I dislike about Splatnet 2, though, straight up, is Splatnet 1 lets you see which of your friends were online. Splatnet 2 does not let you do that. They need to fix that. I think, 
I need to see my friends online because sometimes I check the app and I'm not home. I want to be able to open up this app, see who's online, and then determine on whether or not I want to play with those friends instead of having to turn my switch on and check in the corner to see who's online. So I hope Nintendo gets that done uh, relatively quickly. All right, so let's go ahead. Let's talk about single player now. Uh, I am really enjoying this single player so far. Uh, and I love single player in Splatoon 1. I think Splatoon 2 has taken all the cool, crazy elements of Splatoon 1 and given them a little bit of steroids. So, like, not much has changed as far as the goal or the mission. You're still rescuing little zap fish, zap fish so that ultimately you can rescue a larger zap fish in Cali. But the stage design, they are, they are off the wall crazy. I love the new stage designs. Uh, and some of the boss battles are the craziest, most fun that you could possibly have. I love that Squid Samurai, uh, the second boss. He is insane. And I just love his little unicycle, and he's coming at you, and he's swinging it down, and he gets progressively harder the more damage you do. I almost wish the boss battles were a little bit longer. I wish it wasn't like that, you know, those three big hits kill. I wish... Oh, but I wish that specific boss had at least been five hits because he was a lot of fun. And it was kind of cool to go roller against roller with him. But what I really like is in Splatoon, uh, in the original Splatoon, you had the, uh, the Amiibos would unlock different challenges. Those are now part of the main game itself. I love the fact that you can now pick your weapon, replay the stage, and, you know, see the slight alterations that they made to the stage for that specific weapon because the stages do get slightly altered to reflect the weapon that you use. So I think that's really cool. My favorite thing to do, though, in single-player mode is uh, grind on the rails and attack enemies. And I really kind of wish they had brought that mechanic over to the, uh, the multiplayer because how much fun would it be to watch people on Moray Towers grinding and flicking their, you know, their uh, splat rollers or sloshing their slosh buckets. I think those ink rails are so much fun in the single player. Yeah, that would be. And cool. I love the texture of the ink. Ink looks beautiful in single player mode. It's got like the same glitter as the uh, Cali Maria Amiibo that we have here on screen. If you're watching the show live, you see the little glitter flecks that are on Cali and Maria's dress. That's how your ink looks in game in single player mode, and I think that's freaking fantastic. How do you, how you feel about single player thus far? I know you haven't beaten it, neither have I, but what are your initial thoughts on it? I mean, I've only gotten to section three, but um, it's basically more of the same from the first game, except it does a better job of teaching you how to use uh, all of the different weapon types, and um, it's better than the first the first game. I mean, it's it's similar, but it's like a more comprehensive, a little bit more innovative, and I think... Um, you know, if you're a returning player, you're, you're going to enjoy it. But if you're a new player, uh, it's a fantastic place to start playing the game. I, I would highly recommend uh, new players playing through single-player mode first before going online. Um, I went online the first thing I did, but, you know, I've, I've played Splatoon before. I think the single-player mode in, in this game is fantastic. It's, it's really good for new players. Yeah, it's it's great, and I I just love the 
I love the bits that you have with uh with uh Callie. Wait, Marie, Marie. I love the little bits of you know of communication that she feeds you. Um so at one point I was you know, when I went back and started playing the single player mode from the beginning because I wasn't collecting the sunken scrolls or those stupid frog leg thingies. I went back and I just decided to go ahead and start collecting everything. And a piece of the dialogue uh, she said to me was, what are you, a completionist? And that made me laugh out loud because if you guys know me, I'm a huge collector. So it was one of those moments where like the the it actually was reflective of my real life personality and she was like what are you some kind of completionist I'm like that's hilarious or if you keep talking to her in the uh in the hub world of octo canyon she starts to get irritated with you and she's like i didn't think agent four would be the needy type and at one point she's like maybe i need to start looking for an agent five yeah she's the dialogue um I didn't think it could get much better from the first game. The first game was on point and very witty, very intelligent, very like, you know, hip and with the the current times. And it just, I mean, it, it, it's hilarious. The dialogue in, in the single player mode especially is like, it's so funny. No, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have good... I have praise for the single player mode this time around. It is more of the same, but it's it's more of the same, but they they found a way to to make it a little bit better. I mean, I wish there was more of a story sometimes, but I mean, you let's be real, we're not playing Splatoon for the single player campaign. We're playing Splatoon for the online capabilities and the single player is kind of like frosting on the cake. So before we move on to another game mode, I want to talk about Amiibos real quick. I would rather talk let's because I want to save Salmon Run for last. Uh how do you feel about the amiibo functionality this time around? Because it is a little bit more limited than the uh than it was the first time around. Well, I, I like that the the original amiibo unlocked basically a, a whole new game worth of content. Um especially when because in the first game, you know, you couldn't use any anything other than the 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 gun, and so it was kind of important to to get some practice using the other weapon types. So, you know, the single player modes fixed that this time around. But um, I mean, getting gear, it's good. I, I feel like it would be nice if the amiibos had more functionality. Um, like maybe if they could do some sort of DLC or maybe even release um, down the line. I think it would be really cool if they released like maybe a a Spike merch or a uh, Judd little Judd uh, two pack, and maybe added some more single player story elements that really flesh out more of the story and give you a couple more stages to play through. Because I do miss that from the first game. Um, but I mean, the quality of the amiibos though. I think the purple squid is. And, and like the the inklings, they're probably, honestly, they're probably the best amiibos I've I've ever seen, and, and that includes the Smash lineup ones. Um, and if you look at the quality of them, the quality has improved as well because like even in the original inklings, they looked good, but you know the the squid squid girl, like 
she had a line going across the top of her head that kind of separated the, the front of her head from the back of her head. And if you look at the new Inkling Girl, um, actually, I'll just show it because I got them right here. Yeah, this, I, I see what you're saying. The seam is more in the back of the head. The seam, like you don't see it from, from the, the top. The, the Inkling Girl here in orange is the one from Splatoon 1 and from Splatoon 2. You know, they, they kind of put that seam on the back of her head so that it's less noticeable. So when you're looking at her from the front, you don't see it. When you're looking at her from the top down, you don't see it either. Whereas the Splatoon 1 Amiibo, it's much more noticeable. And on top of all that, even though they both look great, the one from Splatoon 2 almost kind of reflects the graphical update as well because the pose is a little more dynamic and it just looks a little bit sharper, almost like um, it was drawn a little bit better. So for aesthetic purposes, I think um, these are some of the best-looking Amiibos they have ever created. Oh, yeah. They take all the improvements that were made for the Cali and Marie Amiibo, and they ratchet them up even further. So they are fantastic-looking Amiibo. As far as the functionality is concerned, it kind of bummed me out when they only unlocked costume pieces uh, because it was really easy to get them unlocked. Uh, I agree. Pretty I much agree. by the I... second time I scanned each Amiibo, I had all the gear available from this, the Amiibo. Uh, outside of that, though, I like the fact that the original Splatoon Amiibos work as well. And I like the fact that you can save all of your settings twin amiibo so if by chance i go over to your house i don't bring my switch and i want to play with you i can scan in my amiibo and the control settings and character settings and costume settings that i personally play with can be brought over to your switch and i didn't even have to bring my switch over how do you do that though uh you have to go into the menu go over to other and uh there's an amiibo function and then it'll ask you to save your settings Oh. And you can save the gear settings, the weapon settings, so you have all of that instantly accessible to you. And it works great. I uh, I tested it out on Drippin' console just to see what it was like because she didn't have the gear that I like to use. But you know, she works a lot. She works a lot of hours, so she couldn't necessarily. She didn't have enough time to rank herself up to the B minus to do the league matches. So, you know, after I got myself to B minus. I went on her console and unlocked her stuff, and I used my Amiibo settings to go ahead and get that done, and it worked fantastically. I think in a situation like that, the the function does work well, but in reality, you're never going to forget to bring your Switch to your friend's house and bring your Amiibo instead. You're not going to be like, oh man, I brought the Amiibo, but not the Switch. You're, you're most likely never going to bring an Amiibo to a friend's house, and if you forget the Switch... It's like you're just gonna you just forgot your switch. Tough luck. So you're gonna bring your switch. You're not gonna ever choose to bring your amiibo and use your your stuff on your friend's switch like that. It's it sounds good on paper, but it's never gonna happen in real life. Most people aren't gonna use that. So I don't think that functionality is that important. All right. So that's how we feel about the amiibo functionality. Let's talk about the side characters real quick. So Sheldon's back. Krusty Sean's back. Uh, Sheldon pretty much still running Ammo Knights, so not much has changed there. Krusty Sean's got a new occupation, uh, and I kind of like it. He's he's selling food out of a food truck, and 
you get some good bonuses from him if you get those tickets and you use them. Um, I like getting double experience and I like getting double cash or, or you know, 1.5 times the cash or 1.5 times the, uh, the, the bonus, uh, the experience. Those are really helpful, especially in the early goings if you want to get to level 10. But it does mean you're going to have to play some single-player mode to get those tickets. So, But once you've done that, level 10 is really achievable really quickly. So I like that. Uh, I like the new characters that run all the shops. I think uh, my favorite is Jelfonzo. I just his dialogue is just so quirky. Uh, he, so he's always fun. Uh, merch, merch is kind of funny, especially if you try to pick up an order that you haven't ordered. Like he's like, "Yo, dude, cool it." So merch is cool. Arguably the most important side characters in the game, Pearl and Marina, or off the hook, and. I really like Off the Hook. I really do. And during the first Splatfest, that song that played in Inkopolis Square in the hub, that is my favorite song in the game. And I really wish you could hear that song anytime you wanted because it is fantastic. They need it to is. put that song in Squid Beats. I would play Squid Beats if that song was available in Squid Beats. It might be. You might have to unlock it. Oh, I don't want to wait. I don't even want to figure out how long that takes. But that song is fantastic. And Marina is the new wifey because I like me that sexy Octoline girl. I just, they have a lot of character. And initially I didn't like Pearl. I thought she looked like the devil. But even she's grown on me, especially if you like listening to her little rap verse in the, uh, in the Splatfest. It's just fun. I'm like, oh, okay. Get it. Let's get it, girls. But that brings us to the question. Which pop duo is better, the Squid Sisters or Off the Hook? Because right now, personally, I'm leaning towards Off the Hook as being the better band. I mean, musically, I like their song, Squid Sisters. Uh, you know, it, Squid Sisters will always have a special place in my heart, but I am really feeling this new like R&B hip-hop duo of Marina and Pearl. And uh, I'm also leaning towards Off the Hook. Oh man, yeah, they are they are fantastic as a band. Like I just really like it, and I like when you go to the like in the few occasions that you do see like the news report. You know, she's got her turntables and stuff. I was like, Yo, Marina's the more popular. She's the more uh, not well. She is the more popular, but she's the she's the more talented one of the duo because she plays the keyboards and she's the DJ. And she's the singer, and Pearl's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you bring nothing to this team. Pearl is like the girl from Antwoord, which I don't know if you ever watched any of those music videos, but I did. She is like this creepy devil South African rapper girl, part of a duo as well, but um, not a like a singing duo. It's it's just a rap duo. You guys have never heard of them. You should look them up. Antwoord. Um. It's a weird spelling, but it's because it's probably Afrikaans. Anyway, Marina and Pearl, definitely off the hook, both in the sense of the band name and the sense of just being cool. I even like their catchphrase better. Don't get cooked. Stay off the hook. It's so much longer than stay fresh, but it's, it's still pretty funny if you think about what it actually means. Like, don't get cooked. Stay off the hook. Get it? Fishing hook? 
fish. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's clever, definitely. But I I will always like stay fresh better. Man, personally, I'm I'm I don't know. I just like this. I like them so much better, and their character designs are are great as well. And I want to know how Marina has not been ostracized by the Inkling community because thus far we've been trained to think that all Octolings are bad, yet here's Marina, one of the most popular pop stars in the game right now. I'm like, this makes no sense. Because she's talented. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, well, since we're talking about side characters, uh, I think this, we can actually kind of segue this into because we're talking about Pearl Marina, the music in this game, just in general. What are your thoughts on all the new tracks? They're great. I want to hear more. No, I love the new music in this game, dude. It It's really fun, and I'm like, man, I didn't know if they were going to be able to like really capture like the magic that they had with those original songs. But then I hear all this new music, and I'm like, it's so much better. It's just so much better. I do, however, miss the metal band that was in the first Splatoon game. I'm surprised that there's not a metal song in this new game because I just, I just, I don't know why I like that. He's just like, well, I don't know how it was in the first game, but when they bring the new stages out, do they also bring new music that goes along with it, or no? No, the music just seems to be rotating like okay. far more frequently because okay. they're they're. I will hear the same song on every stage and then play them again, and then they'll have a completely different track. So, okay, rotating the music. Okay. But I hope that, like with the original Splatoon, we get a very large, like, you remember in, in the first Splatoon, we got that very big August update that added, like, four new tracks or something. It was either four or six new tracks and new weapons and new stages. I hope we get an update like that. I know they said we are going to get more DLC. Uh, we're actually getting a new weapon tonight, uh, a new type of duelies, the dual, the dual squelcher. So they've already begun their rollout process, and last weekend we got a new uh, inkbrush. So the DLC is coming. I just hope that they add more songs through the DLC. All right, so we've talked about everything except for one thing, and this is probably the best part of Splatoon 2. Salmon Run. Fucking love Salmon Run. It is so much fun. And it boils down to a horde mode. It's just like horde mode in Destiny and Overwatch and Halo and Gears of War. Survive the onslaught. Collect the eggs. But there's just something so satisfying about playing it. And when you play with your friends... The coordination can really, really be so good. There are matches we've had where we've coordinated fantastically and matches where we've coordinated extraordinarily poorly. <laughs> but in either scenario, I am still having so much fun with this mode. And the only thing that I am disheartened by with this mode is that it's not available to play all the time. Like, I know the reason why is because they don't want to take away from, like, Turf War and uh, the rank modes and the league matches. 
but it's still so much fun to play Salmon Run. Honestly, if they made Salmon Run available constantly, I don't think anybody would play Turf War. I'm, I'm after, well, at least they wouldn't play Turf War after they got to level 10 so that they could play the other modes. But Salmon Run is fantastic. I love the fact that it forces me to use weapons that I don't typically use, like uh, you know, the Charger or the, you know, the Dualies. And I like the fact that it's on a rotating weapon schedule. Although there are some weapons that are just very bad for that mode, because they're really they're either really slow or their range is really short. But outside of that, the mode is fantastic, and my fiance is so addicted that she gets mad every time I tell her that Salmon Run is not available right now. She's like, "When is the next Salmon Run?" I'm like, "Yo, calm down. You can check right here in the game." She's like, I don't want to check. You just tell me. Hey, calm down. No, she legitimately gets mad when Salmon Run isn't available, and she gets mad when she's at work and Salmon Run is available. Damn. Like, she, <laughs> like, she legitimately gets mad. Like, she gets mad at the game. And I'm like, it's a new mode. It's a new game. Like, they have to learn when we want to play it, which is all the time, by the way. But, no, she legitimately gets upset when she can't play Salmon Run. <laughs> But what about you, After Party? What are your thoughts on Salmon Run? I hate it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think it's the best mode in the game. I love it. Uh, it, it keeps Splatoon 2 fresh. And honestly, it, it I think it's like kind of that one thing that they threw in there. Even though they made, even though they gave us new stages and um, some new weapons, uh, all new specials with, with the exception of the Bomb Rush, um, new abilities, like just, you know, tweaks to the rank mode, league mode, like all this new stuff. If you have any doubt in your mind that it's it's not a real sequel and it was like a deluxe version, Salmon Run should, should put that thought out of your head because Salmon Run is the one mode in the game that really keeps the series fresh and it gives you so much to do because there are some, I mean, I've, I you can play single player, um, you know if if you want to go through the single player mode and just kind of get some practice doing that. You don't really want to play with people online because maybe you're not so confident yet. Um, you can go to turf war if you just want to have something lighthearted and casual. You can do solo ranked mode um, to work on those individual um, ranked modes that that you're trying to get better at. You can play with your friends in league mode. And then you can also do stuff in Salmon mode. There are five different modes, basically, of the game that you can experience. And there's so much stuff to do that um, I think when we start to get a bigger install base for the Switch and also, obviously, for Splatoon 2, Salmon Run will probably end up being available 24-7. If not 24-7, probably close to it, like five days a week or something. Um, you know, five, six days a week. I, I just don't think that they're going to keep it limited forever. It's going to, it's just right now, there's so many different modes. I think they want to make sure that with matchmaking, you can always find someone to play with fairly quickly. So, like, when you get into a ranked mode match or a turf war match, you don't have to sit there and wait forever because people are playing all these different modes. And, um, I think when you start seeing Splatoon get past like the two, three, four million mark, and there's tons of people playing this game all the time, 
Salmon Run will probably be 24-7, but we're probably going to have to wait um, another month or two before we see that happen. Um, but yeah, it's my favorite mode in the game too, man. I love it. it there's just something special about it. Um, my biggest tip to all the uh, Splatoon 2 players out there, since it's new for all of us, read the the field guide. There's a there's a manual and a field guide. You can't read the manual for some reason in local. Like if you if, if the game is um, is live, you can read it in the Grizzco Center. But if it's not live, you have to read the field manual in the like. Uh, as if you're going to be setting up Salmon Run for a local uh, multiplayer session. Can't read the manual there for some reason. But the field guide is the most important thing. It, it talks to you, or talks to you. It teaches you all of the different bosses, how to defeat them, um, what happens during different events of the game, like when you have fog, when you have high tide, when you have nighttime. Uh, it's really informative. And this game, you've got to know those things because you have to know the weaknesses of all the bosses. You've got to be able to coordinate with your team members and you have to know how to adapt to the situation because it's always changing. And uh, I think that's probably the the fun of it is that you, it's always changing. There's always new crazy stuff happening and it's never the same game twice. No, not at all, man. It is, it is chaos. It's, it's like, chaos and it's literally surviving the chaos which is it it can be so difficult to survive a a match of samurai just trying to stay alive is so difficult and then relying on your teammates to revive you when you're not alive when you're like in that little uh what do they call it those little the the rings yeah the buoys the buoys the, the little the life rafts yeah there you go Whatever, yeah. The life preservers. There you go. Not, not, not a buoy. A buoy floats in the, the water. It's, the little. I'm obviously preserver. not like a, a very seafaring man here, people, but like a life draft, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, whenever you're or, in that, whenever you get splatted and your your form takes over that shape, you have to rely on your teammates to bring you back to life. And at one point, we were. I was playing with a uh, dripping ink. And with two random people, and they all died. I was the only one left, but there were 10 seconds left on the clock. So I made a choice not to save them and put myself at risk and ran from the beach to the top of the tower of, uh, you know, the, the, I don't even know what it's called, but the top of the, the Salmon Run Tower where, and just stay there until time ran out so that we could make it to the next wave. I was like, I'm sorry, and just dipped out. But those are the kind of choices you have to make sometimes in order to survive a salmon run. Did I make the right choice? I think so. Sorry about it, everybody else. But, uh, no, I love salmon run. It is my favorite mode. Uh, and I hope yeah, that... I've had, I've had choices like that to make, too. I had a situation where, like, everybody but me was dead. I was pretty sure I was going to die soon. And you and um, everyone else on the team was was like halfway across the stage, and I was like, "Crap!" So I I activated my stinger, and I used the stinger to revive everybody. And I was just like, "Nee!" And I was swiping it across the stage, and you guys were all the way on the other end. But I was like hitting everybody, and then I revived everybody, and then I died. But <laughs> you gotta you gotta kind of think outside the box sometimes like that if you want to make it through these these salmon runs. 
Oh, and some of the cha- some of the things that happen in Salmon Run will throw you for a loop, like when you can control those giant rocket cannons. That sent like when I saw that in the game, I was like, guys, I think we have a situation. That was my exact words. Guys, I think we have a situation. And then I jumped into it, and then I'm like, oh my god, I can shoot rockets. Get in the thing. Get in the thing. That was actually the shortest salmon run we ever had because we just literally blasted everything to shit and cleared out that that uh, wave with no sweat. Salmon run is so chaotic, and if you embrace the chaos, you will have so much fun with it. So, I mean, th- that's it. That's all the topics that we had lined up. So... I guess we should get to the question that everybody's wanting to know. Is this a true sequel? You already heard my opinion. I think, without a shadow of a doubt, this is a completely new Splatoon game. The graphics got higher. The The game changed. Like, they changed all the, the weapons, uh, abilities. They changed all the specials. They added... So much content to the game. Yes, is it similar? Yeah, it's very similar to the original Splatoon, but it is a it is standalone. It is a complete sequel. People don't get mad when Call of Duty games come out with minimal upgrades every year. I mean, why why do we get to, why do those games get to be called true sequels versus Splatoon, which, in my opinion, added a lot more changes than typically get added to Call of Duty games? Is it because that people perceive Call of Duty as an adult game and Splatoon as a baby game. I mean, I think it's just the mindset that people have, but this is a very, this is very much a true sequel to the original Splatoon and a worthy successor uh, as a Nintendo franchise. This is, this is, this is it, man. This is the new wave for Nintendo. Games like this and games like ARMS, these are the new IP that are going to carry Nintendo for the next 30 years. Mario is beloved, and Mario will never die. But Mario has done his job. It's time for all these new IP to come and, and you know, put their names in the sand and carry their own legacies. And Splatoon 2 is the brilliant start to a brand new legacy for a brand new IP. So, very much a true sequel, and I love it. It is my favorite Switch game thus far. And I love Breath of the Wild. I love Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And I love ARMS. I really do love ARMS. But Splatoon 2 is the best game on the Switch currently. And I don't think anybody... Even though the review scores might not reflect it being the best game, it is. Because this is the game that you can play with your friends and it's never going to get boring because of all the different modes that there are. Salmon Run is never going to get boring, no matter how good you get. Uh... The ranked matches are never going to get boring, no matter how good you get, because there's always going to be a better team out there. No matter what you th- and no matter how good you are, there's always a team that's going to be a little bit better. So there's that challenge that's in this game that a lot of the, that games like Breath of the Wild don't have. Like there's a difficulty cap on on games like Breath of the Wild, even in hard mode, it's hard, but it's only hard to a point. You know, the the live you know, playing against live people makes a huge difference uh, to how difficult this game is comparative to a game like Breath of the Wild. That being said, this is a true sequel, and I love it. And 
I'm excited to spend more time with this game, and I'm excited to watch how it's going to develop. And I really hope that Nintendo takes the lessons they learned from this game and apply them to Splatoon 3, which we'll hopefully get in another two years. Uh, that being said, though, uh, that's the, the topic of the month. That's the main show. But Mario After Party has an announcement that he needs to make today, so I'm going to let him take the floor. All right, guys. So um, I have really enjoyed the last uh, almost two years now that I've been doing the Nintendo Power Zone. And um, I never would have done this if it wasn't for Nice One because it was his idea in the first place. And uh, he tricked me and told me it would only be one episode. And we were like, after 50 or plus episodes later. But um, I have decided that this will be my last episode, though. Sadly, um, I want to go ahead and start working on some uh, different projects. Um, not necessarily video game related ones. Uh, and, and I feel like it, it would be easier to do that without um, having to put in the, the hard work that we do um, every month and sometimes uh, every week, you know, for you guys to make sure that we give you um, the right content, that we've done our research, that we've made sure that, you know, we have read through what is going on in the video game industry and we're giving you the most up-to-date topics and discussion and analysis and uh, you know I've, I've decided that you know as much as I have enjoyed doing that um, now is is the right time to move on to something new and uh, you know it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, I'll be gone forever because um, you know it, it th there might be a time when I could definitely come back on as as like a guest speaker or something, but um, you know, as far as uh, hosting duties, that is uh, definite. I, you know, I'm not going to be the co-host anymore. And I just wanted to say thank you to all the fans because you guys really motivated us to keep this show going and to keep working hard based on all your positive comments and um, all of the interest that you've had. And nice one right now is working really hard at trying to find some new hosts for the show, um, and there may even be more than one. We we might um, end up getting a panel for the Nintendo Power Zone. Um, you know, obviously the show is always evolving, always growing, always trying to get better, um, and and those plans, uh, you know, they're they're it's probably going to going to be a little while before. We see them put into action. I don't want to get too too much into it because I'll let Nice One talk about that. But uh, I just want to say thank you, and um, you know, Nice One and I. I mean, you know, we 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 don't really live that far away. It's not like we're not going to see each other anymore. Um, we're still definitely uh, going to be getting into some intense Splatoon matches together. But as far as my time on the show, um, you know, it is coming to an end, and uh, it has been a, a really great experience for me. So, no, and and it's been great having uh, Mario After Party here on the show. Like, I couldn't have done this show without his uh, creative input. I wouldn't have been able to make this into a brand because that's what we've become. We started as this little one-off thing, and we built ourselves into a brand and a brand that is constantly growing. Every day we get more downloads every day we get 
more subscribers. Every day we get a little bit bigger. But with that growth, this show has become a lot more daunting. Um, you guys, I know you think that it's it's easy to come in here and record a show and come on, get on camera and do the show live. It's not easy. And if you go back and you watch and you listen to our first few episodes, we've evolved the show from those early days. Um, and that evolution was the, the, you know, the combination of what Mara After Party brings to the table and what I bring to the table. And it was the perfect blend of, of just integration. And we've worked on so many other types of products together. That's why I knew when I wanted to start this project that the only person I could start it with is Mario After Party. Now, guys, I want you to know, like Mario After Party said, this isn't the end of the Nintendo Power Zone podcast. It's, the, it's, it's a new beginning. It's a new beginning for Mario After Party as he begins his next chapter, and it's a new beginning for the Nintendo Power Zone as we begin a new chapter. I'm still going to be sitting here in the main host chair. Uh, I am looking actively to build a council, um, and with this council, I want to have a few hosts that I can circulate between um, anywhere, anywhere between two, two to four additional hosts that I that can rotate. And in the event that I can't participate in an episode of the podcast, that they can make it, uh, they can do an episode in my absence uh, because it takes a toll on me too, guys. It really does. It's it takes a lot of work to do all the things that I'm doing, and it takes time away from my family and my friends. And it even takes time away from the thing that brings us here in the first place, which is video games and Nintendo. It yeah, takes and sorry, just guys, if you don't know, Nice One is the one who edits the show. He's the the guy um, who's doing all of the the technical stuff in the background, making sure that you know the show is edited. And and you know sometimes during the live versions we do make mistakes. So when when those get uploaded to iTunes, obviously those have to be cut out. And the music has to be added in, and uh, he's had to coordinate all that stuff too with with the people we get our music from, Game Chops, and even some of the interviews he's done, you know, with like Blake J. Harris or uh, Tom uh, Kalinsky, and uh, and that takes a lot of work. And Nice One has has been the driving force behind that. And and you know, guys, this isn't the only thing we do. We have jobs. We we work and and um, we record music. We actually make music. Well. <laughs> Yeah, we, we have other hobbies too, but I mean, you know, and in, in, in my case too, I mean, like, yeah, I love I love making music, but I mean, I, I also um, started a new job a couple months ago, and that has kind of uh, taken up a lot of my time too. It's been a little bit, um, I don't want to say stressful, at least not in a bad way. It's just, I've been busy, and uh, so, you know, I, I just want to make sure the quality of the show is, uh, is always going to be, be at the standard that that we have set for ourselves since the beginning. And, uh, you know, there's just other circumstances um, in my life right now that, that have, you know, ultimately led to this decision. But, but guys, it's a lot of work to do the show. And, um, and Nice One does a lot of work behind the scenes. So he's, he's, he's looking for other dedicated members or future members who, who have the same passion for Nintendo, but also that are going to have, um, the same dedication to making sure this show is is good that it doesn't um, you know ever decrease in quality that it, it only gets better so um, you know if you're interested you know nice one is is currently recruiting 
Exactly. We've already put out submissions on Facebook and Twitter. We've got a we've got a lot of responses, which is which is nice. I'm meeting some fans already who listen to the show and have actively seen the post and are interested. Um, I am interviewing for this because I need to know that I can trust you to be on the air now this is an explicit podcast we we get away with a lot of stuff because we're listed as as explicit but at the same time there's a difference between explicit and vulgarity and we've never really crossed into that vulgarity threshold and i never really ever want to i want to keep this show as off the hook as i can but at the same time there there are reins that that we do have that we you know we we do compose ourselves in a certain manner and i want to make sure whoever comes onto the show um is bringing the same qualities that mara after party and myself bring to the show so guys the podcast isn't going anywhere we will be back next month um with hopefully we'll be back with some surprises guys um and on top of that the two-year anniversary of the podcast is in september i will try to get mara after party on for that show just so that he can reflect on what he's built because this is something Mar After Party built alongside me. We built this. We built this. This is very much a part of our lives even after we're done with it. So this is something that I'm very proud that Mar After Party was my co-host. It made this show so much better than it ever could have been if I sat here and talked myself. You guys have seen the breakdown videos. I think they're pretty good, but... It's, it's always different to do something like that by yourself. And I think this, this thing that we've done together, my after party and myself, is a far better thing because we started it together and we've built it. And now it's time to move into the next chapter. So I want to personally thank my after party for all the hard work he's put in because there have been some episodes that have been just mentally, physically exhausting. Uh, the E3 episodes have been... Those were brutal episodes. I don't think either of us can say that they weren't. They are damn near three-hour episodes. They were brutal. The The handheld episode... You guys, that episode took us a whole two months to get together. Episodes like that, they are they are daunting. So, everybody, I want... Email Mario After Party. Hit him up on Twitter. Show him the love and the respect that he deserves for being here. Thank him for his time and thank him for being here to do this show for you guys because he did an amazing job. He was a great co-host. And I just want to give you a round of applause, my brother. Thank you. We'll miss I you. appreciate that. We will Those are very you. kind words. Um, yeah, guys, I'm not going to be around anymore. But, you know, if you still want to email me, you're always free to hit me up, theafterpartysound at gmail.com. Or you can just look up at Mario After Party. Um, that's my Twitter account. And, um like I said, you know, you're always free to uh, hit me up, and uh, I will I will get back to you. So, yeah. <laughs> but all right, guys, that's it. So, Mar After Party for the very last time. You got anything left to say? You already know it's always gonna be stay fresh with me. So stay fresh. Don't get cooked. Stay off the hook. Deuces. <laughs>